How's everybody doing? All right. All right, it's good. It's good. Everybody smile. <laughs> smile. Everybody smile, please. Please, if you don't smile, because smiling changes the inside as well as the outside. So if you, the more you smile, the more you smile on the inside. So, so a lot of times, you know, uh, I, we get up here, and it's very intimidating. Whatever it is you experienced during the week, you brought it in with you sometimes on your face. You think we can't see it, but I want you to know we can see it. You're not fooling anybody, you know what I mean? Like, and if you're like me, you got to focus on your face. You got to make, you know what I mean? You got you to focus. You ever go into somewhere and you're like, I, I got to fix my face. And you go in because you feel bad, you're dealing with stuff, and you know, kids don't act right, dog got lost, right? Oh, man, you just want to murder people sometimes, you know what I mean? I didn't say that. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I don't want to murder people. I, I tell people all the time, I've never felt suicidal, but often homicidal. You know what I mean? Never a day in my life I felt like, eh, I should take me out. Nope, never. I was like, no, I think I should take them out. You know, your pastor's not saying that. I'm just playing around. That's a, these are jokes. These are jokes. Loosen you up a little bit, all right? I got this son. I got this son, his name's Caleb, and uh, he is, like, he fell real close to the tree. You know what I mean? <laughs> right next to the tree, dude. Like, he, bang, and, you know, and, and, uh, and not, not saved close, you know, like unsaved close. You know, he got a double portion of me before I knew Jesus, you know. And, uh, and, and Caleb, sometimes Caleb, my son, will show up to church. You know, he just show up, you know, and, and because he's my son, he just knows the security can't mess with him. And in Lorraine, you're like, the security is on another, you know what I mean? Here, it's kind of relaxed, you know, but in Lorraine, man, the security is like DEFCON 5. The things in the ears, they are, they are vigilant. There's a lot of stuff going on, you know, and I believe we should be really, you know, on that note, we should really be aware because the days are becoming more and more evil, so we, we should be conscious, you know. And, and I want you to know, and I'm going to share with you today on how, you know, they used to tolerate your Jesus. Spirits used to tolerate Jesus. They, they're not tolerating him no more. Have you noticed? Yeah. So, so I got this son, his name's Caleb, and, and he is, like, he, he looks like me, walks like me, and a lot of, uh, uh, in a lot of ways speaks like me and, and uh, has the mannerisms of me. And... And so, but a lot of the a lot of the security team don't recognize him. They don't they don't know him because he's not been around. You know because, you know he's he's working on his testimony right now. You know what I mean? And, and but he, he loves his dad. You know that's a word for parents. You know don't worry. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Say it. My children are coming. My grandchildren are coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Just keep saying, they're coming, they're coming. You can't tell me nothing. My son's coming. My children are coming. All of them, all of them are coming. And, and uh, he shows up this one time, and security was like, the, the security was heightened, you know. They were like ninja heightened, you know. And, uh, and, and Caleb just starts walking around the building like he, you know, like he belongs there. And, and, uh, and I, could, I could hear, uh, right next to me, I got a security guy. And, and I could hear in his ear the conversation is happening. And, and they're like, who's this dude? Who's this dude? God, grab that guy. Grab that guy, you know. And he's really tall. And, 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 and I heard one of them say, you better relax. That's, that's pastor's son. 
And uh, he just walked in the back and nobody messed with him. Because, because of his image and his likeness, nobody messed with him. He was able to go unchecked where most people couldn't because of his image and his likeness. He was, get, he, he was granted access to the back room where my family gathers. He was able to have, he could go, he could go to where the children where if you tried to go there, the security would stop you and say, you can't come in, you can't cross this line. He was able to cross the line because of his image and his likeness. Now, I just tell you that because I want you to know, if I were the devil, if I was Satan, and if I knew that God's children could go to the inner recesses of God's presence. If I knew that, there, that the image and likeness of God on God's children granted them access to power and authority and favor and blessing, if I knew that, if I knew that the image, just the image, just the chin, just the, just the walk of God's children, just the mannerisms of God's children allowed them to cross the line that where nobody else is game. If I knew that about you, you know what I would do to you? I would attack your identity. I would make it my goal and my aim to malign and distort, I would make it my goal, I would make it my number one agenda, my number one thing would be to make you question who you are and why you are. I would come after your identity with perversion. I would come after your, your identity with deception, corruption, Anything it took, man, I would come after you full on. I would come after you. And I would try to trick you into taking on my image and my likeness. If it's his children that, that will destroy me, then I must raise up my own children to destroy him. So if he makes them in his image and his likeness, I'll go out there before. I'll go out there when they're going through stuff, and I'll trick them. I'll use the world to deceive them. I'll put them in a trance, man. I'll put them in a trance. I'll put them in a trance. I'll put them in a trance. I put them in a trance. It's an altered state of reality, a trance. It's an altered state of reality. It's hypnosis on a massive scale like the world has never seen before. Do you feel the trance? They even call it that. If I were to ask you today, how do you identify I want you to know that that question, now I'm going to step on some toes today, but I promise you it's all biblical. I want you to know my heart is love. 
But I'm about to confront some cultural issues that are plaguing the church because of their ignorance biblically. Because if I were the devil, I would pray on your naivety. I would pray on your kindness. I would turn your kindness into a weakness. The very place where you, where you allowed and tolerated corruption, I would utilize to deceive you and cover it up to make it look like virtue. I would color my deception with kindness on the surface, but just beneath the surface, there would be seeds of destruction that look like me. And what is my nature if I'm Satan? What do I do? What do I do? I kill, I steal, and I destroy. And I'm a professional at it. Don't you mess with me. I'm a pro. I know how to take your carnal appetites and cause them to kill you. Cause them to steal everything that's sacred from you. Your marriages, your children, your covenants. The moral standards of society that hold it in place. And I destroy and I am the king of destruction. So I'm going to make you, that's my goal, man, to make you look like If, your, if God's kids can destroy me, if by their access to God they can destroy me, then I'll take God's kids. I'll take God's kids and I'll confuse them. I'll create a, I'll create a movement in the earth that's actually called the trans movement. Second Corinthians 3. If you have that, put that on the, on, the, on the screens for me. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. He's, this is what Paul says. Paul says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What do we look at? We don't look at, this, we don't look at culture. We don't look at society. We don't look at our neighbors. We don't even look at our pastor. We don't look at, the na- we don't look at our, our, our mom, our dad, our grandma. We look as into We behold the mirror. We look into the glory of the Lord. And by looking into the glory of the Lord, now if you're going to look at the glory of the Lord, then you must come into the presence of the Lord. So if I'm the enemy, I'm going to keep you out of the presence of the Lord because I don't want you looking at the glory of of the Lord. If you look at the glory of the Lord, you will be changed. So I'm going to keep you from the glory. I'm going to create a distraction on Sunday morning, and I'm going to cause you to worship the sun because we never see it in Northeast Ohio. So I'm going to cause you to stay home. I'm clowning. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm going to make you look. I'm going to look at it. And then it's going to look back at you. And then it's going to bring conviction to you. And you know what it's going to do? When you look at glory, Jesus is the glorious one. Write it down. Jesus is the glory. There is, there is a person who is glory. His name is Jesus. And, and the powers and principalities of this world hate him with rabid 
disdain today. Rabid disdain. The political powers and potentates of the world despise him with rabid disdain today. It's open. It's overt. They hate his guts. Because there's no lie in him. There is no deception in him. There is only good. There is only holiness. There is only heaven. There is only blessing. There is only the Father's image and likeness in him. But we all look into Jesus' eyes. And a mirror comes back to us. And we see ourselves as we are. And then we are transformed into what the same image we are transformed in not to a greater image of me but i am transformed in the glory of the lord into the image of the living god his name is jesus I'm transformed into the image of the risen King, of the risen Savior, of the glorious one, of the bright and morning star, of the lily in the valley, of the one who knows no, no, no pain, of the one who knows no depths of immorality, of the one who captured death, hell, and the grave and left it behind him. I am changed into him. You must know, you must know that the presence of Jesus will change you without permission. Without permission. He's not asking you how you identify. He doesn't care none about what you struggle with carnally. He doesn't care. He changes you. He loves you. He will not agree with your sin, with your failure, with your shortcomings, with how you feel. He will not agree with it. That's the lie and the deception of the enemy. If they don't agree with me, they don't love me. No, Jesus can love you and disagree with you, and you can go to hell all the same. This lie that, 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 that if he loves me, he must accept me is deception. It's the greatest deception the world has ever known. I'm about to prove it to you. So if I'm the devil, I create, I create sons and daughters after my likeness and my image. John. Let's go to John 1. Verse 41 and 42. Now I want you to recognize something here. This is the first introduction Peter has to Jesus. His name's not Peter yet. 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 He's two seconds into the conversation with Jesus. He found his brother Simon. His name was Simon. His name was Simon. I don't know what your name was, but I know, what your na- I know that you get in Jesus' presence, and guess what? You're about to change. Yeah. Yeah. Two seconds into the conversation. Two seconds in. They say, hey, this is my brother Simon. They say, we found the Messiah, Messiah which is translated Christ. Next verse, 42, 42. And he brought him to Jesus. 
And when Jesus looked at him, and he said, they call you Simon, son of Jonah, but I'm going to change your name. Two seconds into the conversation, bro, I just met you. Hi, my name's Troy. No, no, your name's not Marlon. Your name used to be Marlon, but I'm, I'm going to call you something different now. I'm going to call you Bocephus. You know what I mean? Like, what? What, bro? Like, yeah, bro, no, no, you're not. My name's... So what I want you to see here is that, did you notice that Jesus didn't ask him how he felt about it? Do you realize that Jesus didn't say, hey, well, let me know what your pronouns are, what you prefer, how you identify. He wasn't out here trying to. (laughs) You might want to be careful who you give this one to, you know what I mean? But he didn't ask him none of that. He didn't ask him none of that, where you come from, what your daddy's name is, who they are. You know, give me your history, give you you medical history, give me, you know, are you black, you're white, you're short, you're tall. He didn't ask him none of that. He just said, he said, my name's Simon. He said, no, no, listen, Uh, when anyone comes into the presence of me, they are instantly transformed. They are changed. So first thing you must understand is anytime we are in the presence of God, we experience transformation. Transformation is a metamorphosis. You, you, you know this if you've been around any length of time. It's a metamorphosis. It's, it's a reference to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, right? It's this metamorphosis. So, so anytime we experience the presence of Jesus, transformation occurs. It, it doesn't, it, it, it just, it's a natural uh, exchange with Jesus that his presence, his glory makes us look like. Now, that change is not like that change isn't just better. That change is into the image and likeness of Jesus. So, God's in the transformation. God's in the transformation. God's into changing us. Why? Why is God into changing us into his image? Why? Why all through the Bible does God take a man and speak into a man and then change the heart of the man and make the man's image and likeness begin to bear the image of Jesus? Why? Why does he do it? If you knew how dangerous your identity was, your truest identity, your OG identity, not the stuff the world's trying to put on you, not not this false identity, this this false virtue the world's trying to put on you. I mean the, the God who formed and fashioned the earth and hung it upon nothing made you intentionally just specific for an assignment and if you knew your identity you would never surrender it you would protect it you would turn off the wi-fi you would stop having conversations you would stop reading it stop looking at it stop thinking about it all you would do is protect your identity because it is your identity that gives you access to the holies of holies while not being in the heavenlies. It, it gives you access to heaven on earth your identity is so scary to the devil You wonder why your oppression is so massive. 
You wonder why he comes after your children the way he does. You want to know why the enemy's coming after our children the way he's coming after them? Because he fears them. The enemy fears our children. He fears the, the millennials. He fears the, 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 the younger, those younger, I don't know what they're called, but he fears. What, what are you guys called? What are you? What are you? You are Gen Z. He's afraid of you. I promise you he's afraid of you. I promise you he's afraid of you. If he wasn't so afraid of you, there wouldn't be this trance, this, hip, this massive hypnosis. So what does the enemy do? God, God transforms. So the enemy creates an evil counterfeit to transformation. An evil counterfeit. God creates the image and the likeness of Jesus. So the enemy knows it. He's afraid. He's afraid of who you really are. Now, I just want you to I, I, just, just hear me. He's afraid of who you really are, not who you pretend to be. Not who, not who you become to, so they will affirm you. You get that deep down in your, in, in your gut that God, that God made you, that who you really are, that's the lethal version of yourself to the enemy. That's the lethal version of yourself to the enemy. So why, what does he do? He'll make you insecure. He'll make you doubt who you are. He'll make you, he'll sow seeds of insecurity. He'll, he'll create mass hypnosis in the world. What is this? And they live in this altered state of reality. Media begins to pump out the lies in unison with the spirits of the age. He, I'm going to say this a couple of times. Say, say it with me. Same spirit? Same spirit. Different age. Different age. An altered state of reality. So he creates a, an, an evil counterfeit. Why? Because he's afraid of your identity. He's so afraid of your identity. How? So... So here's what you must understand then. We have one identity. You must, you must resolve this. I don't have any, I don't identify with anything, not, no, no matter what it is. I don't identify with the good that was in my father or the bad that was in my father. I don't identify with the good that I believe is inside of me, and I don't identify with the bad that I believe is on the inside of me. The only thing I identify with, the only one I identify as is Jesus. What's your identity? Jesus. Who do you look like? Jesus. Who do you sound like? I sound like Jesus. Who do you walk like? I walk like Jesus. Who do you think like? I think like Jesus. Who do you smile like? I smile like Jesus. I touch like Jesus. I hear like Jesus. I have one identity. I don't have multiple identities. I don't have multiple personalities. I'm not dysphoric in my, in my identity. I got one identity. His name is Jesus. That's it. That's all I got. Because if you, if you walk, if you try to gain access to the whole, if my son tried to gain access behind the veil based on his own identity, he couldn't make it. They wouldn't allow him. They'd stop him right at the door. And I want you to know the devil knows. He knows that you have unlimited access with the identity of Jesus. But your access is limited if you keep identifying with who you were and where you came from, what color you are, what sex you are, what your pronouns are, what your pronouns aren't, what 
what experiences you know you have pride in and where you failed in life he he will disqualify you from entrance based on all of those things but if you identify with Jesus you got resurrection power at your disposal you can raise the dead you can cause blind eyes to open you 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 can ju- you can you can Control the cosmos if you identify with Christ. But you are powerless if you identify with you. So we got one identity, and that is Jesus. And the enemies come to create a false identity in the world. And you say, how? How in the world are you suggesting? How in the world are you suggesting the enemy has created such massive deception in the world? Do you agree with that? I want you to see something. It's found in Ephesians. It's a very common passage of Scripture. But when we go to this passage of Scripture, what we focus on is the wrestling and the fighting. But we don't really focus on is how to fight what we're wrestling and fighting with. Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says that we do not wrestle. You say how, how. Everybody say how. How. How did the enemy sow tares at night among the wheat? How did he create such deception in the world? How has he created such division in the family of God? How has he allowed us to be divided by red and blue and right and left and whether we should kill children in their womb or whether we shouldn't kill children in their womb? Are you kidding me? We all be arguing about things down here, about whether or not we should be murdering the unborn are you alive and and well right now there is mass deception that has happened how how was he able to take the sons and the daughters of God and convince them to murder the unborn 60 million plus and counting tick tock tick tock how in the world has he allowed how would he create such deception in the church that he would cause the church to be divided every four years by race tell me how that's possible tell me that there's not there's not some evil counterfeit of deception happening in the world I will tell you you're not paying attention because the devil loves a naive and ignorant church. Yeah, because if I'm a demon, I don't want you to know about me. If I'm a spirit, I want to go undetected. I want to slide in on Sunday morning. I want to slide out on Sunday afternoon. I don't want the spirit of possession to be noticed upon me. I just want to come in undetected, wreak havoc, kill, steal, and destroy, throw seeds on the ground of corruption and destruction, and I want to walk out the door. I want to, I want to throw a grenade in the room and walk away. If I'm the devil, that's what I want to do. And I don't want you to know about it. I want to hide it. I want to actually do it so that I hide it. I want, on the surface, I want it to look like roses. I mean, I want it to look like a bouquet of flowers on the the surface. You know, I just... I just want everybody to look and say, oh, it's so beautiful. That's such such an act of love. It's It's so virtuous. It's so virtuous. It's so virtuous. But if you just look beneath the surface, just an inch beneath the surface, you will see little tiny seeds that kill. You will see little tiny seeds that destroy. 
if you just look, look beneath the surface. I will deceive my church. I will make it pretty on, on, on the appearance. I will convince a church in the name of love to tolerate what pigs despise. He said, he said, don't cast us just away. Cast us into the pigs. Jesus cast the demon out, goes into the pigs. And you know what the pigs do? They kill themselves. We tolerate what pigs despise. Seeds of destruction. Pigs know better. Pigs know better than to allow these spirits to harass them and to deceive them. They said, no, I'm not going to live my life this way. I'd rather just go ahead and go on to glory than to live tormented by the evil one. This is why they would always run to Jesus and say, we know who you are. Why have you come to, to torment us? Because they recognize the image and likeness of God on Jesus. And they realize the image and the likeness, the identity of Jesus is a threat to their dominion in their principalities. How does he do it? We do not wrestle. Paul says we don't wrestle. Forget about wrestling for just a minute. And let me tell you what you're wrestling, what you're preparing to wrestle with. He said, how in the world? Did the, how did we get here? Have you asked yourself that? How did we get to a place where Budweiser puts a transvestite on their beer? It's in me. When they know good, good and well, you know good and well, they ain't nothing but a bunch of good old boys drinking that beer. That's right. That's right. I'm, just telling you, I'm just telling you the facts. How have we gotten to the place? I know it makes me, it gives me a headache. How in the world have we gotten to such a place where Target would, would groom children for pedophilia. How have we gotten? How have we gotten to the place where we have allowed the mark of the promise, the sign of the promise, the rainbow, to be hijacked by the very by the very sin that caused the judgment to begin with? Because I'll cause a church. In the name of tolerance and love and acceptance, I'll cause a church to be cowardly and passive and benign. I'll, make my, I'll cause the church to be weak because they, they won't fight because they don't know what they're fighting against. They don't even know how to fight it. How, so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but here's, here's what we wrestle against. How did he do it? How? Principalities. Principalities. How did he do it? Principalities. The enemy, he needs, he needs principalities. He needs principalities, local principalities, governing authorities. He needs, he needs constructs 
of influence and manipulation to, to cause a trance to fall over the world. So he invades the principalities that nobody's paying attention to beneath the surface. So he, he, he comes into the principalities and he invades them. Anytime in the Old Testament, remember this, you read Kings? Like, go through and read Kings. You say, and he was a good king. And what did a good king do? He tore down the what? The, the Asherah poles and the high places. So a good king would go to the high places and he would tear down the poles that made evil alliances with the principalities in the world. But if there was a bad king, and I want you to notice that he's a king, and, and the enemy knows he must use a principality. He must use a governing authority. So he creates alliances. You, you all look at me like I'm crazy, but you must go read your Bible. I'm telling you that he creates alliances with principalities, governors, political stratospheres. He invades them, and he causes, he causes destruction to look like virtue. He'll burn a city down in the name of justice. <laughs> He'll murder children in the name of choice. You're violating my rights. He'll murder children in the name of choice. Principalities, why? Because he needs kings. And if he needs kings, if the enemy needs kings, then God makes kings. He says, I've made you, what? Kings and priests. So if he needs, see, he's only doing, he's a cheap huckster, man. The enemy is a cheap huckster. He can only, he's a, he's a de deceptive cheap huckster. He can only imitate God. He can't originate. He's imitating. So he's like, I got to use principality. God uses angelic forces to, to, to help the, the seed of Abraham. So he'll give you an angel to help you. So what does the enemy do? He invades these powers and these power constructs on the earth, and he creates alliances with principalities. How does he do it? He he goes into powers and rulers. So he uses powers and rulers of the earth. Darkness. He, he, he goes into the dark recesses of society where most are afraid to go, and he deceives them. He goes into the dark places of your heart, and he deceives you. He, he loves darkness. So how does he do it? He, darkness. He loves darkness. Darkness. My son, the other day, he crawled over into the, into, the, into the dining room, and he laid in the sun. I put it on Facebook. you got to stay in the light. Children of light must stay in the light. Stay out of the dark. Stay in the light. Children of light, stay in the light. Because the enemy loves darkness. And he, he loves spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I mean, he uses powers. How did he do it? spiritual host let me tell you something spirits are real <laughs> they're real they're real and you and you wonder how we got to this place because spirits spirits are real all right so how did he do it that's how he did it he also did it this way colossians 2:8 colossians 2:8 i want i just it's too good not to, to tell you. Beware lest anyone cheat you. How will he cheat you? Philosophy. He'll cheat you through some philosophy. 
How will, how will the devil rob you of the promise of God for your life? Philosophy. What is the world full of today? Philosophy. Like, like everybody, everybody has a philosophy of this or that. Empty philosophy, it goes on to say an empty deceit. How will he do it? Empty deceit. Not full deceit. He'll use empty deceit. I mean, he won't even, he won't even, he'll use empty deceit. Deceit that doesn't even, that you know. You're drinking from a glass that you know is empty and that, that, will, that will still kill and destroy you. He uses empty deceit. You look at any any power construct in the world today, it is infiltrated with philosophy, corrupt philosophy, and empty deceit. I know you can't read that because I'm writing too fast. And how else will he do it? According to the tradition of men. So he'll use tradition. He'll use tradition against us. You know what's wrong in the church? We have associated tradition as archaic and antiquated, and we no longer we no longer see it as relevant to us. We have taken all of the traditions of the early church, and we think we are progressive. We think we have gone beyond where they are. We walk in such spiritual arrogance in the church today that we believe we've gone beyond the relevancy of the early church of Christ, of the early apostles' teachings. We've abandoned them. For a more progressive Jesus. And I want you to know there's no such thing as progressive Christianity. If you got, if you're walking in progressive Christianity, you are walking in deceit, you are walking in confusion and chaos. There is only one gospel, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is only one Jesus, that is the one who rose from the grave. Traditions. You catch anybody saying, we should do it like we used to do it. Get up out of there, you know. Uh, like, uh, but here, check everything you do by the precedence of the Bible, the precedence of Jesus, and the precedence of the early church. Whatever we're doing, we should check it by the precedence of Jesus, the precedence of the Bible, and the precedence of the early church. How did the apostles do it? Forget how, how, how they're doing it, you know. Forget how the, the, the latest and the greatest guys doing it. Forget that. Forget how the, most, the biggest influencers are doing it. Tell me how the apostles did it. Tell me what the Bible says about it and tell me what Jesus says about it and if you can get all three of those to agree never mind this is where we're messed up with women teachers in the in, in the in the church this is where we're messed up because Paul said something but Jesus Jesus did something totally different Jesus entrusted his entire ministry to women and if Jesus used a donkey who are we to say that Jesus can't use a woman? Now, I'm not here to mess with your theology. Now, I believe in many instances, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I believe in many instances, in many instances, women are, women are only stepping into places because men won't. And then the principles of the world. Have you seen that? Principles of the world. Principles, laws of the world. How does he do it? This is how he does it. This is the game plan of the enemy right now. I want to trick every one of you. I want to steal your children. This is how I'll do it. Now, i got to flip this around. I'm out of bull. Identity. Jesus. How does he do it? How does he do it? Same spirit. Say it. Same spirit. Different age. 
All right, smile. Everybody smile. Okay. All right. There are three spirits that, that dominate the Old Testament. Three spirits that dominate the Old Testament. Three of them. Three ghosts that dominate. Those are my spirits. They're like Pac-Man spirits, you know what I mean? You're never going to play Pac-Man the same again, you know what I mean? You're like, ah! The first one is Baal. You remember Baal? The God of Baal. Elijah cast him off the mountain. The mountain of influence. Remember that. It's Baal. Baal is the God of thunder. He's the God of thunder. And Baal, he represents cash money. He represents cash money. He is a spirit. He is a seducing spirit of greed. How will the devil do it? He will do it through the list of all that I, I mentioned on the backside of this board. Deceit, empty philosophy, powers, principalities, darkness, rulers of the state. This is how he'll do it. But he will use these spirits in, with those tactics. He will use these three spirits that I'm about to tell you with these tactics. And it's the spirit of Baal. So a spirit of Baal is a seducing spirit of greed. Baal was the God, and if you remember in the Bible, Baal was the God that controlled, if he controlled the weather, then he controlled the harvest. If he controlled the harvest, he controlled the economy. So he's the God, the God of money. The guy, they call him the God of thunder, is what they call him. And so what Baal would do, and what Baal does, is he, he, he deceives and seduces us into monetary possession, into possessions rather than presence. He makes, so what he does is he causes our hearts to fall in love with possessions instead of presence. So he makes us buy bigger houses, bigger cars. He makes us lust after the things of the world, after the economy, after the bag, after the money. He causes our hearts to just, I want more, and I want more, and I want more. And, and, and if I'm going to want more, then, you know, if, if I'm going to want more, then i got to work more. And if i got to work more, then what happens? I sacrifice my time from places of the sacred to go be in places of secularism so that way I can possess more. So he is the God of the seducing spirit of greed. And, and this today, like no time other in the history of man, we have women working to, in the workforce. Where, where so, so, so they're leaving the home. They're working in the workforce to pay for all of the stuff that we got. We got so much stuff that we're building buildings to put our extra stuff in. They're all over the place. But women are vacating the home and and. Children are being left to raise themselves, basically, and so now, now we got to pay for all this stuff. Why? Because we must have bigger houses, bigger cars, better cars, more bling, go on more vacations, more pleasure, more pleasure, no person, no presence, Pers pleasure, no presence, pleasure, pleasure, uh, uh, things, possessions, but no presence because the God of Baal wants to eliminate presence from your life. Remember, he knows if you're in the glory, what will you do? You'll become more and more like Jesus. So what does he do? He makes you love things more than you do Jesus. I'm going to skip the middle one. I'm going to go straight to Molech. Molech's over here. He is the God of murder. Molech is the God of murder. He's the God of genocide. 
He's, and you'll see this all through the scripture. So you'll see Baal and you'll see Molech. And, and a lot of times in the Old Testament, it says this, that, they, that, that God, would, God hated the God of Molech because he would cause the children of, of the Most High to, to walk their, their children. He would cause the, the, the sons and daughters of God to take their children and send them through the fire as a sacrifice. And you say, why? Because, because... He hides his genocide in selfishness. So he's the God of genocide, but really, he's, he's selfish. So the sacred, the blessing, becomes a burden. So what does he do? He makes children a burden. What, then what does he do? He convinces, he convinces Eve to murder her own children. Why? Because this life's about me. It's an inconvenience. This, this child is an inconvenience to, to my selfish pursuits in life, so I must, I must get rid of it. I must see the blessing of God as a curse. So what does the enemy do? He turns blessings into curses, and he uses a spirit of Molech to influence and trans the world. He creates a feminist movement in the 60s. He creates a feminist movement in the 60s. The pill is introduced and empowers women. Now, now women don't even have to, like, they can have sex unfettered, unbothered. They can just go out and they can just have as many partners as they want. They don't have to reap any repercussions of it. But, but little do they know that that little pill is changing their genetic desire. If you do any studies on it, what you'll see is that shortly after the sexual revolution, women who, who formerly chose alpha males, they formerly chose alpha males, broad shoulders, deep voice, hard chin line, they formerly chose them. But after the sexual revolution, something began to happen generation after generation. Women began to feel empowered more, they wanted control more, and they suddenly began to desire beta males. And what did they begin to reproduce in the earth? Weak children. <laughs> because what is, what is the devil after? The nuclear family of God. What's he after? The nuclear family of God. So they just keep reproducing weaker and weaker and weaker. And we wonder why. But why is he doing it? Their identity. It goes back to their identity. What does he want to do? He wants to, he wants to weaken my sons, your sons, my daughters, your daughters. He wants to weaken their identity. He wants men to be feminized. I'm getting there now. Asherah. Asherah. Now, you're familiar with this God, right? Now, something interesting about Asherah. Asherah was the, the goddess of sexual immorality. She was the goddess of sexual immorality. So there's a spirit of Baal. There's the spirit of Molech. So the spirit of Baal, seducing spirit of greed. The spirit of Molech, uh, he is the spirit of genocide, which operates through selfishness. And the spirit of Asherah, these predominant spirits sweeping through the nation. Same spirits, different age. Same spirits, different age, sweeping through the nation. What does Asherah do? She says she creates sexual immorality. She creates the sexual revolution. She creates the feminist movement. She is, if you, if you go back and you study here, what you'll see about uh, Asherah is, is that she, she, she said this of herself in one of her poems. She said, I am woman 
but I am also man. She's trans. Study it. You don't believe me? Go study it. She's trans. So she, she's the OG of the woke trans movement right here. You want to know where the spirit comes from? You don't want to know why Target gets on board? Even though their audience is, is predominantly mothers, they're predominantly mothers. But somehow the seducing spirit of Asherah invaded the high place because the enemy can't do anything unless he invades the high place. He gets into the constructs where, where the spirits operate, creates an alliance with the constructs of the world, and he creates deception all the way from the top down. He, it, there's a trans movement that happened. Bang. Right there it is. You want to trace it back? Boom. There it is. There's a trans movement. She said, I am woman. I am man. You know what her priesthood was? Her priesthood, she would dress men up as women in her priesthood. Because the enemy always has a priesthood. He must mock what God does. So she had a priesthood. And she would take men and she would dress them in women's garments. And she would make the, the men uh, serve in her priesthood. Another thing that's interesting to note so what does she do then to men that you'll see in the, in the age today? She, she feminizes men. So she makes women hard, and she makes men soft. What do you see in society today? Hard women. Man, man if I could just tell our young daughters today, like, man, there's something about feminism. There's something about the softness of a woman. There's something about the tenderness of a mother. There's something sacred about the, 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 about the carrying of the unborn that, that belongs. It's a privilege. It's like a high privilege that is sacred, that belongs to women. The, the, the most affectionate, the most, the most turned on I've ever been towards my wife is when I've seen her. Soft, tender, caring, loving. That's like it, it, it's something about a man. It's because the man is supposed to be hard. The man is supposed to go to war. But you know what Asherah says? Asherah is the goddess of war as well. And if you, if you pull up an image of her, you'll see her. She's got broad shoulders and big muscles, and she carries weapons in her hands because she's saying, like, women, you don't need men. You can do it without her. You think this is new? This is nothing new. This is nothing new. This is the goddess of Asherah. And men are, supposed, men are supposed to go to war. Women aren't supposed to go to war. Men are supposed to provide. Men, women aren't supposed to be the ones grinding away. Women aren't supposed to be the ones worrying about the bills. Women aren't supposed to be the ones that carry the responsibility of the covenant. That's a man's responsibility. Why have women invaded pulpits? Because men have, have de denied their responsibility. Men have been feminized. There are men who will sit in congregation and be feminized by women. Why? Because of a spirit. Spirit of Asherah. And I'm not saying there's not a place for women in ministry. There is. And in some cases, it's undeniable. I'm, come on. Deborah took them to war. But what Deborah said this. Remember what Deborah said? She said, if I'm going to war, she said this. I'm going to take them to war and I'm going to win. But I want you to know, if I do this, it will, be, it will be noted that a woman took them to war and won. And it was shameful because women aren't supposed to go to war. We've convinced women. We've sold women. We have sold women a bouquet of flowers and said, you're strong. 
You're powerful. You're independent. You don't need children. You don't need anything. You can do exactly what a man does, but just underneath of it, he's killing and destroying and annihilating. He's, he's stealing. He's stealing the very, the very sacred composition of heaven from women today. He's convincing our daughters to be hard and callous and fight. And it doesn't belong to them. How did he do it? Baal, Asherah, Molech. Same spirit, different age. Same spirit, different age. So what do we do? What do we do? Here's what, here's what we got to do. I know that's overwhelming, right? That's a lot to take in. Like, I went to church today, and I need two weeks off. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I got I to go home and think, man. You know what I mean? When, when God gave me this, I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I can say this stuff, you know? And, and I'm, I'm entering in conversations where I'm like, no, I have to say it. I have to, this has to be said. Like, we have to pull back the veil. Like, we have to say these things. Because if we're going to defeat the enemy, it will, because, it will be because we are made in the image and likeness of Jesus. We must become transformed. So here's how we do it. You, you have to retake your authority. You have to retake it. It, it has been taken. But the good news is this. The good news is this. Listen to me. Just, I'm closing. Just, just give, me, give me the last three minutes here. Four minutes, five minutes, six hours, whatever, you know. <laughs> that God, God delivered from the same spirits in the past. It was, on, it was on Mount Carmel. It was on top of Mount Carmel. It was up on that mountain. up on top of that mountain where God delivered. He delivered Israel. I pray a spirit of Elijah on you right now. Just take hands go like this. I pray a spirit of Elijah on you. In Jesus' name, the spirit of Elijah come upon you. Spirit of Elijah. Take authority now over the spirits of Baal, over the spirits of Asherah, over the spirits of Molech. Invade the high places right now. You must invade the high places. I'm, I'm talking spiritually and literally. You must climb higher in your spheres of influence. The high places were places of influence right now. I just bless you to walk with more endurance, strength, boldness, and courage. Invade your high places. In Jesus' name, spirit of Elijah, fall in this room. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, and before he did, he said, hey, listen, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It's getting ready to rain, and I want you to know that, I, that my God is the God, the only God. He said, now you get those prophets of Baal, and you get those prophets of Asherah, and you get them up on top of the mountain. 
I'm going to tear down the astral poles, and we're going we're gonna to see whose God is God, because our God will send fire in the earth. And you serve the God who sends fire to the earth. But you must invade the high places, literally and spiritually. It's time to war against the powers and principality and start calling it like it is. It's time to confront them because you cannot defeat what you will not confront. And passivity has gotten us to this place, but confrontation out of an abundance of love, a heart that says, I desire for you not to walk in the nature of, of the enemy, but I desire for you to know the identity of Christ. I desire that you know Christ and the power of his resurrection in your life. I desire that you walk in the virtue and the strength and the, and the almighty power of God, not that you walk in the deception and trickery of the enemy desire that you're walking so you must get high retake your authority it belongs to you it belongs to you you have access now you have access i want you to know you have access you look like him you sound like him you bear the image and the likeness of jesus so that gives you access access to what access to all power access to all all power all authority belongs to you when you sing those songs you sing them because you bring heaven to earth you say all power all access belongs to me i bring heaven to earth why because i have access to heaven Bring it. Secondly, you got to clean the house. You got to clean the house. He said, a spirit, Luke, Luke 11, 24, I'm closing. A spirit, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. He says, I'm going to go back to the house from when I came. It's time to clean the house. Kick him out. Time to clean the house. Because if you don't, First of all, you got to clean the house. Meaning, you got to get rid of some stuff that's attached to spirits. This is not going to. This is going to go over. This is going to go over like a rat sandwich. I promise. There's two houses. They did a study. Two houses. One had Wi-Fi, and the other one didn't. They planted. They planted seeds. Plants. Seeds. They planted them in these two houses. In the house without Wi-Fi, the seeds grew exponentially faster and stronger. Where does the enemy reside? Powers, principalities of the air. Where is the enemy gaining access to our homes? Powers, principalities, frequencies in the air, giving access to our homes. So you got to turn some stuff off, man. Like, you got to cancel some subscriptions. You got to block some stuff. You got to put it out. What did Jesus say? He came into the house. They were mourning over a dead girl. What did he say? He said, you, 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 and you get out. He did not ask them. Oh, 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 you're the, you're the mom, you're the, no, no, you can stay. No, no. He said, I don't care who you are. You, if you are here, you are a disruption to faith. So you got to get out of my house because my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I need faith to be in this house. So I, I got to, I got to raise the dead and I can't raise the dead with you here. So you got to go. And so there's some stuff in our homes that just got to go. I mean, it just has to go. You're tolerating things that pigs despise and it's time to kick it out. Kick it out of your house. Kick it out of your heart. Kick it out of your home. Kick it out of your city, church. Kick it out of your city. Powers and principalities invading cities, kick them out. Powers and principalities invading the nation, kick them out. 
Spirits of racism invading a country. Church of the living God, stand up and kick them out. Spirits of deception and sexual immorality invading our schools. Church on the, church on the North Coast, stand up in school board meetings and kick them out. Kick them out. You got to clean the house. And then you got to fill the house. And here's how you fill the house. He said, you don't leave a house empty. Now, it's, now that's interesting. You don't leave a house empty. You don't leave a house empty. When you get empty, you better fill up real fast. If you get empty, if you get tired, if you get exalted, if your soul is weary, if you're irritated, if you're frustrated, if you're offended, you better get to somewhere and get to filling up your house as soon as possible because empty is dangerous. Empty invites seven other spirits, seven other of these of these no good trifling spirits to come with them and invade the house. Seven other spirits like these are on their way when you are empty. So you gotta get you gotta get full. You gotta stay full. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You gotta stay full, but you gotta stay hungry. How do you stay full and stay hungry simultaneously? Presence. Presence. You'll never get enough of presence. It's like, it's, it's like donuts. You can never get enough of them. It's like, it's like, if you mark your tail barb, it's like cake from Giant Eagle. You have that cake from Giant Eagle, man. Cake from Giant Eagle is different. I don't know what they, they got something going on over there. Cake from Giant Eagle. You could go to a bakery and, and it just, it's, Giant Eagle sh- throws shade at the bakery that buttery cream you can eat it when you're full it doesn't even matter right it's presence don't get empty church you get empty you get absent I know I know the church is empty because they're absent look around you say why Why? where where are they where are they where are they why are they absent because they're empty and, and you become empty in many cases because you fill yourself with things you shouldn't. And when you fill yourself with the things of the enemy, it captures your heart. It's a seducing spirit. It captures you. Pulls you away from the sacred. So you gotta you gotta you can't be empty and you gotta fill it. You gotta fill your house, fill your house, fill your house. You gotta fill this house, this house, and your home. Your home. You gotta kick some stuff out of your home. You gotta kick some stuff out of your heart. You gotta kick some stuff out the church. That's right. Sometimes there's spirits that come into church. You, they either got to be, they either got to go or they got to go. It is, I just want you to know Jesus cast spirits out everywhere he went. And if we believe that there are no spirits today, we are deceived and naive or ignorant. They were always, Jesus was always encountering spirits. What happened to all of them? You think they just took the day off when Jesus got resurrected? They were like, oh, okay, well, we're done. Jesus ain't here no more. No, the attack has come to the bride. The attack has come to the church. The only force of righteousness left in the earth. So what? So they're walking through the doors unchecked. They're walking in our homes unchecked. They're walking into our hearts unchecked. Unchecked the, di- the desires, the carnal desires, unchecked in your heart. If you, like somebody told me the other day, they believed in I- I- eternal uh, security. I know I'm preaching long, but that's cool. You don't only get here like once or twice. I mean, but somebody told me they believed in eternal security. And I'm like, oh yeah? That's dangerous. If you believe that the death, that's a great deception. If you believe that you can keep doing what you're doing, 
being in the presence of Jesus and not be changed, that's dangerous. That, that tells me you're in a dangerous place. If you believe you can go kick it on Saturday, show up on Sunday, all hungover, time after time after time. I'm not saying Jesus loves you as you come, but he'll never leave you as you came. That's the deception of the enemy. Jesus loves you just how you come. I'm not here to tell you he don't love you. I'm telling you, I don't care how you walk through that door. I'm telling you you're about to experience Jesus, and you're not leaving the same way you came in. You're leaving changed. But time after time after time, you come into the presence of Jesus and you ain't changed? Careful. Careful. You're toying around with delusion. You're messing around with delusion. The enemy brings deception. God brings delusion. Check, check Romans 1 and 2. He said he gave them over to a spirit of delusion. God gives delusion. He said, oh, that's how, you, that's how you want it? You want to keep coming into my presence and disrespecting my, dishonoring my presence? You want to keep coming into the most holy presence of the living God and you don't want to give that thing up? You want to keep coming into my presence? You want to keep invading my presence? You're not about to come into my presence one more time and not be changed. You better get changed today or you better, or you better understand I'm going to distance myself from you. he change you and if you got some stuff did you not letting him change you're resisting the conviction of the holy spirit that's a dangerous place to be that's an empty dangerous place to be so you got to fill yourself you got to fill yourself with the word you got to fill yourself with the word here's here's what joshua 1 8 says it says this book of the law fill yourself with the word i got nothing to give you but the word and the word, like Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended. Because <laughs> he's the word. Blessed are those who are not offended. I ain't got nothing to give you. But, but our relationship ain't right. I ain't got nothing to give you but the word. And the word might offend you. But blessed are those who are not offended because of me. I got nothing to give you. He said, and this is what Joshua said. This book of the law shall not, shall not depart from where? From your mouth, man. It's all I got to say. It's all you got to say. You don't have an opinion. You died. Your life is not hidden in Christ. I got news for you. You ain't got no opinion. You, you don't got a left opinion, a right opinion, a blue opinion, a red opinion. You ain't got no political affiliation. You are a Christian, born again, and your opinion is the word of the living God. It shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall do what? All I got to think about. What do you think about it? I think what the Bible says about it. Well, what, what, what's the Bible say? Well, I'll tell you. This is, this is what I meditate. I think this way. I think the way the Bible. I meditate on it day and night that, that I may observe to do. Not just listen. Not just form, form a lofty opinion. Not just know. But I must do it. How do you know? If you know it, you do it. <laughs> you do it. I do it. I do what it says. I may not do it perfectly, but, but I get up every day and try to do it. I failed, I failed yesterday, but I'm going to try to be better tomorrow. I'm not saying per perfection is never the goal, but I'm saying the word must be what guides us. No, no, the word's going to bring conviction. It's not going to let us stay. It's not perfection. We're never going to be perfect. We're never all going to get it right. But we must know that the word must guide us. We've got to fill ourselves with the word. And if the word don't check nothing in your life, you ain't reading it right. <laughs> like if the word... If, if you read the word, you're like, oh, yeah, man, I've done everything that it said. I read, I'm two words into the Bible, and I got to repent. I'm two words in, and like, oh, oh, man, you got me today, God. Like, there I am, like, right there. So you got to fill your heart with the word. You got to fill your home with the word. Fill your children with the word. Fill your marriage with the word. Fill your government with the word. Fill your job with the word. Fill your church with the word. Fill your car with the word. Fill your bathrooms with the word. Like, like fill yourself with the word.
The Word is, is living and powerful. It's the most powerful force uh, given to man. It knows how to divide soul and spirit. It goes where no surgeon's knife can go. It's the most powerful uh, force the, the, the earth has ever known, the Word of the living God. So you got to fill yourself with the Word. Number two, you gotta, you got to pray. <laughs> you got to pray. And the, the problem with prayer is this. We've made prayer about 15 to 20 minutes a day. Like, and I want, I want you to see what Paul said. Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, here's what he said. Isn't that fun? Pray without ceasing. How, when do you want me to pray? I don't want you to stop. I'm not, come on now. When, God, seriously, how long do you want me to pray? I, I was given this, this initiative. Somebody gave me a watch and said, I want you to pray for 100 hours. I started doing it, you know. I started every, every day I'd pray for an hour. I'd run and I'd pray for an hour. And uh, I got to about six months in. And I got to thinking, man, like all I do is pray. Like I got to, I got to realizing that. And, and I went to the Lord and I said, God, all I'm doing is talking to you. I, all I do is talk to you now. And he's like, yeah, that's, it. that's the point. That's the point. That, that's what the 100 hours was supposed to teach you, to, to, to always stay in communication with me. You see, if you give yourself 15 minutes to talk to God, you'll be done, and you won't talk to God anymore. But, but talk to your wife like that. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes. 15 minutes, dream. And then later you tell him, you got your 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Paul said, pray up. Don't, don't ever stop. You know, that's an amazing thing. When you can talk to God, you can talk to everybody else at the same time. I'm talking to God, but God's talking. You're talking to me. You ever do that, husbands? Don't, don't, don't. I think y'all know, but listen. Um, there are times when my wife will be talking to me, and I'll be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll lean in, tilt my head to the left, you know what I mean? Like, I'll do, I'll give her all the facial expressions that, that communicate that I'm really listening, but I'm really not. Don't talk to God like that. No, no, you, you can, God will give you the ability where you can talk to him and you can talk to everyone else. It's not like watching a show and she's trying to talk to you and she's annoying you. Like, I'm trying to watch this, you know. That's not how you talk to God. You pray without ceasing. Keep praying. Keep praying. You can always tell who people are talking to. I can always tell. If you have the sensitivity, the spiritual discernment of a slug, most cases, you could tell who people are talking to. Because when they start talking, they start talking about what they've been talking about. We're not different. We are no different. We talk about what we've been talking about. And if all we've been talking about is what's wrong and what's broke, if all we've been talking about is negative things and sickness and disease and premature death and curses and anger and frustration and bitterness and gossip and slander, if that's how we've been talking, It'll come out. It'll come out. And this is why Paul says, you've got to keep talking to God because when the enemy comes, something's going to come out. And, and, and depending on what comes out would, will really dictate whether or not you're delivered. Because you'll, you'll either be 
You'll either use their words or you're going to use my words. My words are the words of life. My words are eternal life. They bring deliverance. So pray without ceasing. And then third, worship. Worship, I want to encourage you to turn worship on in your cars, worship on in your homes. I, sometimes I'll turn worship on in the garage and I'll just let it play. Sometimes I'll turn worship on in my bathroom upstairs and I'll just let it play. But we must get to this place where we are in atmospheres of worship, where powers and principalities must bow to worship. Because Genesis tells us in Genesis 8:21, the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. He sm- once he smelled the, the worship. He said, I'm never, I'm gonna, I'm never gonna curse the earth that way again. So what, what does worship do? It causes the heart of God to reverse the curse in the land. It causes the heart of God to take away the curse and to lay the blessing down. And I want to encourage us to fill our homes with worship, fill our hearts with worship, fill our mouths with worship. When worship is going on, engage in worship. Let's send a soothing aroma into the atmosphere, into the heavenlies, and and let's let God know, like, take the curse away. Take the trans away. Open up the hearts of your people, God. Come on, let's stand to your feet as we close today. Come on, can you put your heart... Can you put your hands together for Jesus today as we close? Come on. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Stand in the way and see. Ask for the old paths where the good way is. And walk in it. Walk in it. The older I get, where I realize old stuff's better old stuff's better I don't want no EV cars I don't want no minivans I hate minivans I want like just give me an old old car the old stuff like the old way there's such spiritual arrogance I referenced it earlier but there's such spiritual arrogance in the church to believe that we progressed that we know more than our parents, our grandparents, that in some way we're superior. It's such a deception. Francis Chan, he, uh, he wrote a book years ago, and I thought it was terrible. But and then, and then I saw something the other day. He took his Bible. He took his Bible. And uh, it's kind of like this one. It's all beat up, written in. It was a while while I wouldn't preach from this because somebody said something like, hey, man, that Bible looks bad, man. You should preach from a better-looking Bible. And I tried, and it just wasn't the same. And uh, so Francis took his Bible, and he gave it to his son. And he told his son, he said, listen, he said, when I was, when I was younger, I thought I knew. He said, I, I, was, I was arrogant. I presumed to know the way, but I didn't know. And as I hand this Bible to you, son, I want you to know. Take the advice of your father. What this Bible has done is it's, it's taught me the way. It's kept me in the way. Even when I was erred and had flawed thinking, he said, I always come back to this Bible. This Bible would always take me. It always redirect me. And I I just pray, church, that we would stay in a posture of humility. 
and say, God, I don't know the way. All I know is, God, I don't know the way, but I know you know the way. And if, you, and if you're not going, just like Moses said, I'm not, I'm not about to go where you're not. I don't care if Oprah says it. I don't care if the president says it. I don't, I don't care what they say. I'm not doing it if you don't say it. I'm not going in a way, in a direction that you're not leading, regardless of what's popular in society, in culture. I'm not going there, God. I'm committing myself to staying in the way, in your way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today. I bless you today. I bless you. I pray now, Spirit of Elijah, courage, boldness. Tear down those altars of Asherah. I declare the spirit of Elijah is upon you. The spirit of Elijah rests on you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is yours. We right now, we rebuke a spirit of Baal, Asherah, and Molech over this house, over our house, over our hearts, over our children, over our communities, over Northeast Ohio and the nation. We rebuke these spirits now. We cast them out. We command now, in Jesus' name, life and strength and victory, spiritual sharpness and alertness now, in Jesus' name here today and you've never given your heart to Christ this is your moment you go out that door today one of two ways in covenant with Christ or destined for a hell that was never intended for you and if you're here today you're watching online you've never given your heart to Christ pray with me this prayer Jesus I ask you to forgive me my sins I repent. Come into my heart now and make all things new. I promise that from this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. Take my life. Destroy the works of the devil. All for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.